Hello, welcome to Unleashing the Champion Within. I'm your host, Cindy Stewart, and each week we'll bring you an inspiring message and give you tools to help you release the champion within. To find out more about Unleashing the Champion Within, go to my website, cindy-stewart.com. Our music today is by Alexander and the Grapes. Check out their latest release, Hyperself, on iTunes. Welcome to Episode 8, which I am titling, Success Begins with Basic Life Skills. I'm making a turn from my normal podcast to talk about something I think is critical for everyone's success. There are basic life skills required in participating on this earth as a successful human being. And the life skills we're going to talk about today is just one, and that is good manners. Clarence Thomas said, good manners will open doors that the best education cannot. And I know you must be thinking, wait, this is way off her normal subject line. We talk about dreams. We talk about putting a career path together. But I agree with you. It is off. But sometimes we need to have a life skill tune up just like we do with our cars, it's important for us to check, is everything operating the right way? And if it's not, then we're not as successful in our relationships and at work. So we need a little tune-up to help us be more engaging, more aware of other people around us and how we respond to them. Now, I grew up with my mom reading Mrs. Manners out loud to us. If you don't know who she is, Google her name. She's considered the expert on manners and etiquette. And what are manners really? Well, manners are just the conduct and behavior we live by. It is the consideration of others we interact with. The way we live when we're alone should be the same as when we're with others because it's a natural part of who we are. It's part of our lives. As a business person, I have noticed a few slip-ups across the board when I meet with people in the manners department. And honestly, I've been slipping up too. So this is not only for my own tune-up, but it's for you too. So hang with me through the whole podcast. Now, the number one manners faux pas is cell phones, TV, and other distractions. Now, I'm I the only one who hates to sit with someone at lunch while they look at their phone the whole time? Or sit in a restaurant with the TVs everywhere and it takes every ounce of my restraint to listen to the conversation and not look up? Doesn't matter what's on TV, it's just that distraction. We all need to unplug. You know, basic life skills require you to be available to the person that's sitting in front of you, to the people that are surrounding you. We have to unplug. And I have learned the less available I am to my phone, the more I accomplish. And the more I accomplish, the more successful I am. And yes, most of you are saying, well, my phone gives me my business. It helps me stay connected with my family. Of course, my phone does too. I depend on my phone to set appointments, to uh, schedule uh, podcasts, whatever it is. I depend on my phone, but my life does not depend on my phone. When I was growing up, we didn't answer the phone when it rang at dinner. My dad said they could always call back. 
And while my kids were growing up, we had the same rule. Did you? It's funny, I'm going to tell you a little story. We had two interns living with us, finishing up their third year of school. And they were working for us in an internship. And every dinner when we got together, at first, the phones opened up. And they would glance at their phones while we're eating. Well, we started a rule called a phone stack. Everyone's phone was silenced. It was put face down, stacked on top of each other in the middle of the table. The funny thing was, I would see or hear the little vibration or see the little light flash. And I think, oh, I probably need to pick that up. And then I'm like, nope. The rule is we can unplug from our phone long enough to enjoy each other's company, have a conversation, and eat a little dinner. It won't kill us. So here's Miss Manners' take on the cell phone issue. It's just as rude to ignore someone by texting as it would be to pull out a newspaper or a book in front of them. Now really think about what that would look like. Here we are sitting having dinner and you pick up the newspaper and open it all the way up where you can't see the person's face. It's basically the same thing when we text or scan our social media apps. We're completely ignoring the people in front of us. And there's actually some scientific proof about the anxiety being plugged in all the time is creating within us. They've identified several different syndromes, such as low battery anxiety. And I've definitely experienced that. I'm thinking, oh no, my phone's going to run out and I don't have a plug to plug it in. What am I going to do? I'm going to miss something. Yes, we've all experienced that. My favorite one in Preventive Magazine, it was in the uh, edition of June 2016, is FOMO. Fear of missing out. Now, I met with somebody earlier before I did the podcast, and they said that used to be the number one fear was speaking in public. Now the number one fear is FOMO, the fear of missing out. The good news is this Prevention Magazine article tells you how to take that control back. And I'll have a blog on this on my website, uh, cindy-stewart.com that it'll give you the link to the whole article. So let me just ask you something. Where are you in the distraction zone on a scale of one to 10? Here's a couple of just checks. I'll read you the question and you answer. Am I one, it doesn't really bother me, or I'm, or I'm on the scale toward the 10? If my battery is low, I panic. That's the first one, okay. Number two, I check my phone constantly for calls, text, and my social media apps. Do you? My phone is always by my side, even while I sleep. So if you answer true to one or more of those, you need to go back to the basics of life by following a few of these ideas. This will reset, tune up what you're missing out on. First, Give yourself permission to turn your phone off in 10 minute increments throughout the day and do something different like take a walk or just allow your mind to rest. By doing this, you're able to wean yourself off the need of constantly being available, constantly looking and keeping your mind occupied by what's on your phone. Now for some of you, you may say, that's no problem, I could do that half the time I leave my phone at home. But some of you, you're like, I'm having an anxiety attack just thinking about doing that. 
So if that's you, start weaning yourself off of holding onto your phone all the time. The next one is the one we implemented, and that's agree on a phone stack during meals. Even when you're out at a restaurant, just say, hey guys, let's just stack up our phones and agree not to pick them up while we're eating. Let's talk, let's have conversation. You'd be amazed at the difference in engaging with each other, whether it's friends, family, or business associates, you're actually getting to know them. Sometimes, you know, your phone replaces the uncomfortable feeling that you're having being with someone. So you use your phone as that distraction. Just take the plunge and learn how to be available to the person you're with. And then the third one, set a limit on phone checks. For example, they said that the average phone, average person checks their phone four times in one hour. And I know sometimes if I'm just bored sitting around, I'll sit there and look at it for 15, 20 minutes. You may be the same way. So what you should do is try cutting it back to three times. Maybe you check your phone four times, cut it back to three times. Two, two times, you cut it back to one. Just start weaning yourself off on this constant need to have that phone, have that connectivity, and allow yourself just to be to be by yourself, to be with other people, to accomplish more. You definitely will see a success rate in everything you do go up. Okay, so that's our first one. And you know, we could talk on and on about cell phones, right? But the second manners in the basic life skill is arriving on time. My husband's rule of thumb is if you're on time, then you're late. Well, when we got married, whew, that took me a long time to learn because I'm always just in time. I barely, you know, I may have five minutes to, to spare, but of course that doesn't allow much slack time for me. And when I was growing up, my mom was always late. As kids, me and my brothers and sisters, we would chase the school bus down the street because we were late. We were late getting up, we were late getting our breakfast, whatever it was. And by the way, the school bus stop was at the end of our driveway. It was right in front of our house. So when you're chasing the bus, when it stopped in front of your house, and he usually waited a few minutes on us, that's pretty bad. And half the time, we would have our breakfast in our hand, eating it as we go. So arriving late is never a good thing. I know I hired someone to do uh, freelance work for me, and they were late to every meeting we had. And one time we had scheduled lunch together and I arrived a few minutes early. Like I said, I'm still working on that. The restaurant was packed. The hostess showed me to my table. The clock ticked and ticked five minutes late, 15 minutes late, 30 minutes late. I finally got a text from her, said she was on her way. Almost an hour late she arrived. By that time, I'm all anxious because people are waiting for tables and I've been sitting there for almost an hour. She didn't really have an explanation other than she was finishing the project she was going to give me that day. Well, when I asked for the project, she told me that she didn't get it done, but she wanted to come for lunch. Now think about that for a minute. You're waiting on someone for almost an hour. And whether it's five minutes or an hour, it doesn't make any difference. Arriving on time is so important. In fact, this morning to uh, record this podcast, I was late. I had a car problem and then the traffic was bad, and I was 45 minutes late. I probably could have left a little bit early, but I couldn't manage the traffic and the car problem, but still, 
somebody had to wait on me for 45 minutes. So think about this for a minute. What might Miss Manners respond to this say? The person should have called prior to the meeting and advised that they would not have the project completed. At this time, the person waiting could have decided whether to meet or reschedule the meeting. So by being on time, it allows both people to get done what they need to get done and continue on with their day. By being late, it puts the person being late in an awkward position because they're stressed out trying to get there and the person waiting in an awkward position because they're stressed out waiting and they have other things to do that day too. The best thing to do is to be on time. However, if you can't be on time, you've got to let the person know so they can make the decision. Do we wait or do we reschedule for a, a later time? In this digital world, it is so easy just to send a text or make a quick call. That way, when we're late, the person has that awareness that it's going to be late. So here's the way to evaluate your on-time life skill. Answer these three questions and find out if you need to press the reset button on your clock. The first one is frequently, I am 10 minutes late or more for the scheduled time. Are you? The second one is people tease me about my tardiness. And the third one is I rarely arrive late. I mean, I rarely arrive early. So if you've answered true to any of those, then you need to do a little tune-up on your clock there. And, and here's a couple of ideas that will help you get back on track in your timeliness. The first one is just keep track of the times you were late for the next five days. Write down how many minutes you were late and what was the reason. Now, if you had car trouble, there's not much you can do about that. But if you decided to do one more errand before you left or you decided that you've got 15 more minutes to finish up the letter that needed to happen, then start adjusting that and realizing that the extra time you thought you had, you really didn't have. The other thing is once you get through these five days and you're aware of what the avenues are, what are the pitfalls that are causing you to be late, prepare your schedule for the following five days with the added adjustment of minutes for each appointment. And you may need to reschedule an appointment or two to allow enough time for each appointment. And then continue this process until you're back on the on-time schedule. Like my husband said, if you're on time, you're late. So really on time is a good 10 minutes early. And I'm still working on that. You'll be less stressed for sure. And the people you engage with will be much happier not having to wait on you. Takes a little, uh, little thought process to get there. But our third one is table manners. Now this is a surprising lost art. The way you handle yourself at a table leaves an impression on others. You know, they say the first impression, when people first meet you, it leaves an impression. When they first eat dinner with you or lunch with you, it leaves an impression. And this is especially true in the business world. Whether you are fine dining or at McDonald's, manners still matter. Now, I won't go crazy with stories, but let's just think about the basics and just in your mind say, yeah, I do that or, huh, I haven't done that in years. First, napkins in your lap, please. 
the first thing you do is put your napkin in your lap. That keeps any kind of excess from falling on your clothes. Second, keep your elbows off the table. You know, I know that sounds funny. <laughs> there used to be a little rhyme, if you're able, keep your elbows off the table. But really, one hand should stay in your lap and one hand should be used for your utensil. And when you're sitting at a meal, you really wait until everyone is served before you eat. And if the hostess says or host says, oh, you guys go ahead and start. I don't want your dinner to get cold. Then go ahead. But otherwise, you do wait for everyone to be served. The next one is kind of an interesting one because people have different views on that. But I was taught, and Miss Manners would agree, that while you're eating, you need to keep your mouth closed. When you're chewing food, you chew with your mouth closed. And I know that sounds simple, but it really is something that we forget. And, and I know I do this sometimes. I get to talking and I realize I've still got food in my mouth. And I'm like, hang on, let me finish what I'm chewing. Or someone will ask you a question just as you've taken a bite and you start to say something, you just need to hold up your finger and point to your mouth and let them know as soon as you get through chewing and swallowing, you'll be glad to respond to their question. Because eating with your mouth open and talking with food in your mouth is never a pleasant viewpoint from the other side, right? The other thing to think about is eating at a steady pace and resting your fork between bites. You know, there's no horse race in eating. One bite at a time, take a breath, then take the next bite. And no gulp it, gulping down your drink. You know, just take a sip, relax. And I know sometimes we only have 30 minutes for lunch at work or whatever, but we've got to learn to really pace ourselves. And that's true with al when alcohol is being served too. If you drink, pace yourself especially if you're in a business environment. You should do it anyhow, but especially in a business environment. I know one time I took clients out for lunch and uh, two of them decided they were going to use that opportunity with my expense account to have multiple drinks. And by the time lunch was over, not only was it an expensive meal, but it was not a pleasant day. So just realize that even though the opportunity is to have as much as you want because it's not gonna cost you anything, it doesn't benefit you in any way to overindulge like that. And then we've got a couple of little basics. No burping, no teeth cleaning, no makeup or other personal hygiene. If you have to do that, you need to do it somewhere else, whether it's in your car or you excuse yourself and go to the restroom. And of course, as we just said earlier, phones down. No distractions. Just be available to who you're, at, who you're sitting with. Okay, I know those were pretty crazy ones, but this is our, our fourth one, and it is no-shows and RSVPs. Now, you wouldn't think that would be a big deal. And if you haven't put on an event and we're asking for people to RSVP, you might even not realize it's a problem. But it seems people are hesitant to commit to an event that requires an RSVP. And when they do, they don't show. For my daughter's wedding, we had over 200 people. And I'm guessing we had only about 50% RSVP'd. The rest we had to call. And then, of course, we had a few guests that attend that didn't RSVP, which that's a whole other subject. But when you host functions and you're expecting an RSVP, 
what you're what I'm seeing is that the RSVPs are coming at the very last minute. And then when they RSVP, about 5% don't show. Especially if it's a free event. If it's a paid event, uh, I'm sorry, if it's a 5%, if it's a paid event, don't show. But if it's a free event, about 20% don't show. So think about that. People have put together these events, they've provided food, they've paid for it, but people are RSVPing and not showing. And of course it costs them because they still have to pay for, the, for everything. So really there's no excuse not to call unless you were marooned on a desert island. And if you're marooned on a desert island, then follow up when you're rescued with an apology. So here's some basic life skills for RSVPing. And for some unavoidable reason, you no-show to an event. First of all, you got to RSVP as soon as you know your schedule, whether it is to attend or send regrets. They say you should RSVP within 24 hours of receiving the invitation. Most invitations will say RSVP by a certain date, but waiting to that date is almost as bad as not RSVPing at all because the person hosting the event is waiting for you to respond. And when you commit to go, go. Even if you had a better offer or you would rather stay home in your pajamas. If you say you're gonna do something, do it. If you say you're gonna attend, then go. Unless for some unavoidable reason there's sickness or something else, RSVP and then go. And then lastly, if for some unforeseeable reason you no-show, call the hostess and apologize. That means more to them than anything. You know, they may be upset because they feel like they've wasted their money or maybe they could have invited someone else if you had told them you weren't coming. But there's nothing that will soothe that irritation better than an apology. So just suck it up and apologize and say, you know, I'm sorry I didn't come. And don't make up an excuse that's not true. Just tell them the truth. Or don't tell them anything. I'm sorry I didn't make it to your party. It was unforgivable. Just, I just want to extend my apology. Remember, your host has invested time and effort and money, and especially if it's catered. You know caters events cost around $30 a head now at the very minimum. They average about $50 a head. So think of it. If you and your spouse or your plus one don't show or cancel at the last minute immediately, it costs the host $100, not to mention the disappointment of not seeing you. So as Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, life be not so short, but that there is always time for courtesy. Okay, number five is very important too. And you know, really the, the most important ones to me are the cell phones, the on time, and the please and thank you. I have two brothers and two sisters. And not only were we taught to say please and thank you, but we were taught to say yes sir and no sir. But we won't go to the yes sir and no sir today. But please and thank you is a must. It's a part of being an adult. You know, in kids, you expect them to forget to say please and thank you and you'll remind them, say thank you or ask please. But as adults, there's nobody standing beside us saying, uh, did you forget to say please? Did you thank them for that? So think about it. Please is an adverb. According to Webster, it is used as a function word to express politeness 
or emphasis in a request. So you would say, please pass me the salt and pepper. You don't reach across the table. You don't say, hey, could you throw that salt and pepper down my way? Which I probably have done. You say, please pass me the salt and pepper. It, it's used to express that polite affirmation. Would you like coffee? Yes, please. I would like some coffee. And that may sound formal, but you would be amazed at what adding please or thank you to something does for the person who's serving you. Thank you is a noun. It is used to uh, as, as, as a polite expression of one's gratitude. When the coffee arrives, you say thank you. And it's simple enough, right? But how many times have you forgot to say please and thank you? Even when we're in a restaurant, the waitress comes up or the server comes up and says, may I take your order? Oh, yes, please. I will have blah, 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 blah. Most of the time we don't say that. Or can I get you another drink? Oh, yes, please. I would really appreciate that. And when they bring the drink, we say, thank you. We so appreciate that. That common courtesy, that um, really it's almost like words of affirmation to people. Oh, I I really appreciate what you've done is when you say thank you. That's what you're saying to them. Thank you for that extra drink. Thank you for opening the door for me. Thank you for offering me a ride. Whatever it is, that extra words of thank you and please makes the difference in how people see you. And it really encourages you them to serve you better. So it's a, it's a challenge sometimes to remember those things. Sometimes somebody will come up and say, hey, do you want another drink? And we're like, yeah, we'll have some more. But yes, please, we'd like some more. Just that little extra life skill will make a big difference in what you do and how people respond to you. You know, Margaret Walker said, friends and good manners will carry you where money won't go. And when you think about friends and good manners, friends that are really good friends, you just can't live without them. And good manners will open up doors for you that are not open just because you're gracious. You show gratitude with your please and thank you. You, you aren't using your cell phone while you're checking out at the grocery store. It's in your pocket or it's in your purse. You're giving someone the attention and the respect that they need in that environment in which you're engaging with them, whether it's in a restaurant, whether it's in a business meeting, those little extra steps will make you shine brighter than other people. So now comes the hard part. You've heard, the, you've heard all the, the news. You've heard what uh, the challenge are, the top five things. But now it's time to refresh your life skills. You can read a final written version of this podcast on my website and my blogs. But read through it and find the life skills you need to brush up on and do it for the next 14 days. Be on time. Put down your distractions, whether it's your phone or if you're seated in a restaurant, ask them to seat you where the TVs aren't right in front of you. Practice your table manners. Practice putting your napkin in your lap and keeping your arms off the table and uh, just practice your table manners. And when you have an invitation, whether it's a formal one written or someone just calls and says, hey, next Tuesday, would you like to play tennis or would you like to meet about that project we're working on? Respond to them quickly as soon as you know your schedule and then show up early so you can 
uh, indicate your interest in being with them. And then don't forget to say please and thank you. And please and thank you obsessively. Just practice everything you do to add that please and thank you and watch what happens. People will engage with you differently because the attention you are giving them. Your consideration will get you a lot of bonus points in your interactions with other people. So that's the end of our podcast. Like I said, it's a little bit different than our norm. Next week, we're going to talk about leadership, relational leadership. So until next time, remember, you are the best investment you can make. So invest in yourself. Thank you for listening today. Did you enjoy this podcast? Before you leave, take a minute and rate it on iTunes and subscribe to Unleashing the Champion Within so you won't miss an episode. You can also visit our webpage, cindy-stewart.com and get your free ebook, Relational Leadership. You can contact me on my website or on my Twitter account at cindystewart1, on Instagram, cindystewartauthor, and Facebook, cindystewartauthor. Until next time, remember, live your life as a champion, making every day count. Thank you.